Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, believe it by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Natural Running Network. We are brought to you by Mio, makers of the world's first strapless heart rate monitor sports watches, and MedHab, makers of RPM Squared, an innovative system of gait analysis that slips right into your running shoes. My name is Richard Diaz. I am your host. Are you a runner? Do you love to get out and challenge yourself? Running your first marathon or maybe caught the bug of obstacle racing? Well, sit tight because this is a show you just don't want to miss. I'm with Maggie Ligon, and Maggie is an elite obstacle racing athlete. And I've asked her to come on the show with us because she had recently visited our lab and had an opportunity to experience the things we do. And I'm excited to have her on because she's going to help me to better explain to y'all why you do these things and what the importance is for having put yourself to the task. And Maggie, say hello to everybody. Yeah. Hey, everyone. So I am Maggie, as our dear friend Richard has said. Um, a little bit about me. I am a small-town country girl from Wisconsin. Um, never had an athletic background, never played team sports. Um, I actually am a world champion equestrian, so I let my horses do all the running for me. I uh, never had a coach, anything like that. So fast forward up into my 20s, um, I had an opportunity to work with Spartan in the optical course field as an EMT for about a year, and I thought, man, these people are having such a good time rolling around in the mud. I like mud. I want to try this. So a year into it, on uh, December 2014, right here in Malibu, I actually ran my very first Spartan race on my own feet and uh, got hooked, got absolutely hooked. And a little fun fact about me is that I am in things 100%. So once I've made the decision that I'm going to pursue it, I will do all that it takes, learn what I need to, um, to, to make it happen and enjoy the process. So... That's kind of how I got involved with Richard and getting to know more about this running based on your heart rate training, uh, all very new to me. So it's been an experience. Very cool. So that's why you're here, Maggie, because we knew that of all people, you are the spokesperson. Absolutely. I'm, I'm down to the challenge. I'm very new, so I'm, I'm kind of like that little... Uh, what is it called? Hamster? You know, that you get in there, and you're like, guinea pig, that's the one. <laughs> guinea pig. So. Well, as we were discussing before we went live here, the biggest frustration in my life over the past 20 years is trying to simplify the work I do so that people understand it and see the value in why they would want to put themselves to task, use a heart rate monitor, understand to... Uh, train themselves in such a way that is beyond what is uh, their perceptive nature, the way they approach training, just getting out there and beating themselves down and hoping it's all going to shake out one day. Absolutely. So, as I suggested, what the Internet, when, when is the advent of the Internet? This is a trick question. Do you know? Uh, I'd say late 80s, 90s. I remember I was young yeah. when my mom had the dial-up. Right. So. so Yeah, and I had my little desktop computer and... I remember, like, they were talking about the Internet, and you just get out there and you punch in some, you know, some code, and yeah. voila, you're out there in space. 20 minutes later. And, yeah, right. <laughs> and it's making beep, 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 yeah. beep. It's making all these noises. Um, and I'm going, what is this? 
and why would we want to mess around with this? And yeah, here we are, you know, what are we talking? Like We're talking 20 years ago, yep. and right about the same time, I started into the business of uh, doing clinical diagnostics on athletes. And when I figured out, when I learned why and the benefits associated with doing what I do for people and given that they follow prescription and understand what they're trying to accomplish, it just paid huge, huge dividends. But 20 years later, I'm almost like back there with beep, boop, 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 you know, the, the old computer trying to kick it in yep. and try to make it work because people just aren't there yet with it. And right. and I'm I'm terribly confused about why that is, but... Well, you know, my experience being very new to not only the athletic world, but OCR in general, I had the privilege of, of seeing you do some tests on on my, you know, idols, the people I put on pedestals, Hunter McIntyre, uh, you know, Cassidy Watt, Isaiah Vidal, those, those athletes that we all know and love in the OCR community. Um, and to be honest, I was like, man, I am not up to their level. I don't deserve, I'm not worthy of the, you know, of the exams that it takes to, uh, to get tested. So I think some people, in their ignorance of just um, not understanding it fully, it's scary to think like, oh, that's for top elite athletes only. It's not for me. I'm not there yet. Almost like the weight loss journey where you think, I'm not going to try that because I'm not there. Give me another year. Give me another, you know, X amount of time. Uh, when really that's not the case at all. In yeah. fact, you're doing yourself a huge disservice by not embracing that um, that knowledge that you don't understand and getting to know it versus, you know, uh, just passing it by, which I think is what most athletes have been doing. They well, don't understand, it's true. so they leave. Yeah, it's true. And when I got into the game of doing diagnostics, you know, I'm not going to wear this out, but at that time in space, I was an owner of a health club. Mm-hmm. And I remember being at a convention and kind of like milling through the, the the expo, and there was a couple dudes in some lab coats, and they had the pretty girl on this exercise bike, <laughs> and, they, and they had this mask in her, on her face, and they had all this stuff going on, and it was intriguing. I had to take a look at it, and I'm, I'm looking at it, and I'm going, well, what are you doing here? What what are we capturing? And he said, well, look at there. I said, well, you see those lines? He goes, well, what that's indicating to us is, how much fat her body is using to power that bike and how much sugar her body is using to power that bike and how many total calories she's using and where that point transitions from burning fat to burning sugar. And then at the conclusion of the test, we'll be able to provide a prescription that will tell her precisely what to do with her training. And I sat there with trout mouth going, what? You <laughs> yeah, can do all what? That, really? All that. And I was like, God. And, and so obviously the next question I had was, so what does this little Jimmy cost, you know? Yep. And I think all said and done, when I made that initial purchase, I spent about $40,000. It was a lot of money that I spent. I mean, and all my, like my partner and my friends in the business were going, Dude, do you know how many treadmills you can buy? You know how many stairmasters you could buy? Yeah. How many people you could service with this? Yeah. And, and I'm like, but, 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 but you don't realize that in 15 minutes I put somebody on this thing and I can tell them precisely how their body is functioning and what they should do next in order to improve yep. their fitness. Yeah. Well, I don't know about you, but what I often hear from the fitness community is. All of this talk about macros, what do you do? What do you do? How do you train? What is this? And it always kind of boggled me because as human beings, we're all so unique. We're all so individual that there is no one one step takes all. You know, we each have our own set of training. And so for those people that have the question of, well, I don't know how much I'm burning here or how fast should I run, how far... These are common questions among um, among people getting into any kind of athletics, and this is the answer. I mean, this tells you specific to you what your body is doing and where. Right. I think it's crazy that um, that not everyone is lined up around your door getting this test done because there's your answer. Well, I've been so, waiting for that. I've been waiting yeah. for that to happen. 
But I'll tell you what's really interesting is I, in all these years that I've done what I do, I, you know, have had traveled actually around the world doing this kind of thing. And I used to visit health clubs. And when I got on the floor and would be conducting tests, you know, right on the main floor where all the treadmills are or whatever, and I'd have my cart set up. You know, well, I'll give you an example. I was in the Venice Gold Gym, you know, world-famous Venice Gold Gym, and I'm testing people there. And, you know, there's some big people in that place, right? I'm talking about some huge, huge muscular people. And some of them, I promise you, did not get that way without a little assistance, if you know what I'm saying. Absolutely. (laughs) And it was like gorilla in the mist. These guys were like out in the peripheral just kind of watching me and grunting and and almost afraid to get too close because the science was scaring them off, you know. Right. But um, it's it's kind of that way. It's like everybody's kind of scared. And then once they kind of get around and they kind of start asking a few questions, they're all over it. They're, oh, wow, you, you can really yeah. do that? So, yeah. yeah, so like right now when I'm looking at the screen, I can tell you precisely what's going on with this guy. And that's like powerful. So here it is like 20 years later. I'm still doing it, and I'm still fascinated by it. But... The reason that we are even bringing this up today is because of the importance that I feel that lies between the relationship of this heart rate response and running. I mean, there's all all the other things that we could talk about that are important that you can get from training with heart rate, but in obstacle racing, which has become, you know, quite a... Uh, quite a thing with me. I, I, I've just fallen in love with obstacle racing. Right. Um, but we've identified, I'm sure that you've identified, that in order to be successful in that sport, in this sport, you have to command your run. Absolutely. It represents 80% of your success or failure in a race. Absolutely. And clearly, never mind someone that's going to run a marathon or a half marathon or something like this. It is 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 critical. And I come from that. I mean, I've been working with marathoners and triathletes for years and years and years, and the prescriptions we provided have been very successful over the years. But now, obstacle racing being kind of new, and interestingly enough, talking to uh, one of your sponsors, uh, Athletic 8, I guess it's called? Yeah, Athletic 8. Yeah, uh, yeah the, fellow, the fellow there, and we were having this conversation about the growth of the sport and the importance of running in the sport and how, for the most part, because the sport is in its infancy, a lot of athletes are floundering around not really sure what to do. I mean, I I don't know if you face that, but like if you were coming up, if you decided to be a triathlete this year, you've got about 25 years worth of history to pull from if you want to figure out what things you should or should not do what equipment you should buy or not buy. Absolutely. Where we don't have that in obstacle racing. Well, and that's kind of the beauty of that obstacle course race and the curse, you know, is is that it is a variety of so many different sports, and the top athletes in it right now come from a variety of very different sports, that you have the people that have no experience, like myself, have no official um, proper training, that come in and they see, oh, you know, I see... Rose Wetzel, oh, I see Hunter McIntyre, you know, what do they do? And if you ask those two people specifically, they'll tell you very different things because of their background. You know, like Hunter, super strong, um, known for his strength and his endurance, and and Rose, so fast, you know, just just wicked fast, runner's background. It's understandable, the confusion, um, which is why we need to, you know, knuckle down and get onto this heart rate training because it's the key. Well, and uh, I think that at this juncture, I should I should say that it is it is a critical element, but it is not it's not the whole ball of wax. Oh no, never. Because is. what happens is heart rate is really just a way to measure what's occurring relative to what you expose your body to. Yep. So how your body fares relative to things that you're doing, and then having been tested, you can identify what the outcome will be relative to the things that you do. And so let's talk about running for a sec. So one of the things where we kind of got warm and fuzzy is where you showed up for one of my running clinics. 
Can you just kind of share what that was all about and, and what your takeaway was from that? Yeah, for sure. So I, like I had mentioned, I saw you on the cruise doing your test. Again, still unclear about what everything was, intimidated by the whole process. Uh, one of my teammates, actually, one of the OCR grinders, she told me about this running clinic, and she's like, you have to go. Um, she's like, I think you have a lot of potential with your running, but you just need some guidance. And, uh, and you know, Richard Diaz, he knows all about it. Come to this clinic. So uh, nervous, all that stuff. I decided to go, committed to that. And I tell you, I learned more in that one-day clinic, uh, well, what was it, two, two hours, two, three hours, um, that I have the entire athletic experience so far for me. Um, it was just like the light bulb came on. And so just through the drills, through talking, it just kind of clicked as soon as you walked me through, okay, we do this because it gives us this. And with that information, we can take you from, you know, point A to point B faster, stronger, harder than you ever thought you could before, you know, within the right process. And and my eyes were just about as big as a kid in a candy shop. <laughs> I remember that. So it was an amazing experience. Um, and just that one time revolutionized my outlook on running and uh, where I needed to go. Did it help? It sounds like I'm, I'm baiting you, but... No. I mean, if, you, if it didn't help, what, no, it didn't help? No, no, I'm saying I, you're, not, <laughs> you're not baiting me. It helped infinitely. I mean, it helped more than I could express because... How I had been running before, um, very poor form, heel striking, reaching way beyond, um, you know, my torso or my center of mass as as the more scientific term, uh, and just kind of floundering out there and thinking that I was making ground and I was powerful and strong when really all I was giving myself was shin splints and I was having some plantar fasciitis issue and, and all of these things that I thought were, you know, just well, i got to suck it up and take it, that's part of running, I learned that day at your clinic that no, that is not the case. In fact, um, not only is that not the case, but I don't have to go out and spend hundreds of dollars on fancy shoes. I don't have to go and, you know, get all this crazy equipment that, um, you know, all these companies kind of hype up, that it's just as simple as proper body mechanics, motor skills, and, and keeping within what your body can handle efficiently. So I look at running like someone training to be a black belt. You know, you show up at the the studio, and clearly your mind is all about, one day I want to be able to break boards with my head. I want to be able to do that flippy, kicky thing in the air. Yep. And I want to wear one of those black belts so that I can impress my friends. Yeah, nunchuck skills. And then you show up, and they give you the little white pajamas, and they give you a white belt, (laughs) right? You got a white yeah. belt, nondescript. You look like vanilla, and <laughs> then they start very, very methodically marching you through this martial arts dance, and it's all done essentially in slow motion. Absolutely. And so you are empowered with these baby steps in the fundamentals, and you know you don't roll in there and say, "Hey, give me some wood. I want to break some wood." You know. <laughs> It's true. You're going to chill, and you're going to listen, and you're going to do what they tell you to do. And it starts out very, very slowly, very, very methodically, and then it progresses. You know, And I can tell you just my own life experience, my my younger brother is a six-degree black belt in Subak-do. And he can do things that just don't seem humanly possible. And I'm telling you, it's just crazy, crazy, crazy stuff. It's like a circus kind of thing where you jump up in the air and you land in broken glass. You don't cut your feet and things like that. You know, after, That's wild. Oh, yeah. But there was a day in his experience with this where it was all very, very fundamental and very, very methodical. And this does not happen characteristically in the sport of running where people just take for granted, they assume that, well, hey, I've been running ever since I've been a baby and I'm just going to get out there and give it my all. And, you know, when I get tired, I'll stop. And if I push too hard and I can't breathe right, I'll slow down. And that's the running experience. And right. it's an interesting thing because there comes a point in the whole road where we shift. Where If you look at kids run, kids run beautifully. And I'm talking about like a five-year-old. 
They yep. run perfectly. They run off their midfoot. They don't overstride. They don't heel strike. They've got a great arm swing. Their posture is perfect. It's just the natural aspect of the way they approach the run, and it's just a beautiful thing. And somewhere along the way, I don't know really who the culprit is behind this or what the culprit is behind this, but we shift, and we get away from doing things beautifully and naturally, and we get corrupted. And I don't know whether it's a, a function of shoes or the type of shoes that our parents fit us up with, but we screw it up. And so pretty much everybody just evolved over the years into running badly and making a lot of grave errors. And it's even come up through school. Now, I, I deal with kids. I deal with kids that are competing in, in soccer really young. I, can, I work with kids that are uh, involved in basketball, soccer, football. I work with kids that are, pl- are running cross-country, running track. And I would say that the majority, I'm talking 90%, run poorly. But they just their strength-to-weight ratio is such that they're kind of impervious to injury, and they just throw down as hard as they can and hope for the best. Yeah. And the coaches look for the guys and girls that rise to the top. They're the quicker ones. They're the faster ones. Yeah. And they choose them to make the team, or they bench the ones that just can't get it done. And just the frustration that exists for the kids that are just not achieving as well as they potentially could have. I, I make a lot of money with kids like that because their parents just are so frustrated with watching their kids suffer while they're trying to compete and participate in sport that okay. they they bring them to me and we show them how to run and voila, all of a sudden they're performing better. Uh, so where I'm going with all of this is that there's this whole relationship associated with running mechanics and the cost associated with running. And so if you discount the potential information you can get from heart rate, you are really leaving yourself in a bad place. You don't you can't identify what the cost of work is proactively. You can identify the cost of work reactively, where right. tomorrow you go like, oh my God, I'm so sore or I can't move or I can't train for three more days. Right. Because uh, I overdid it. And I just really didn't, you know, I just got a little ahead of myself and I pushed myself too hard and now I'm screwed. And I want you to share what we talked about before we got on the air about the shift that you made after you've identified heart rate response and in the, in the, in the, the heart rate prescription we offered you and your running experience since you've done that. Absolutely. So a little bit of what I was sharing uh, with Richard, for those of you that are listening, is that my running, you know, I, I loathed the thought of having to do it. Um, I, I knew that running was essential, that I had to do it in order to enjoy the sport of OCR, which I love. Um, but to tell you the truth, every day that I saw my schedule, that I had to do a long run or even any kind of run, I just was, I would dread it and just think, man... Now my you know my shins are gonna hurt. I'm gonna feel like my lungs are collapsing. Um, you know I'm gonna be pushing it as hard as I can. But afterwards I just feel so beat up that I know the next day it's just gonna happen again. And and it was just miserable. It wasn't something that I enjoyed at all. I would just have to reason with myself. Hey, you know this is what you gotta do to make it to the top. And um, I had the privilege of getting tested in your lab, getting some numbers, my prescription that fits my body. Um, And to be honest, when I got the numbers and the range of heart rate that you wanted me to stay in during my runs, I I wanted to laugh because it felt like a pace of a fast walk or a very slow jog. And all I could think was, this is going to be torturous. How how on earth am I going to get fast? How on earth... Am I going to improve as a running athlete when I'm jogging slower than the grandmas I see pushing strollers, you know? So all that aside, I remember and I remember telling myself that, you know what, Maggie, you got to just suck it up because you don't have all the answers and obviously what you've been doing hasn't been the most effective. So trust the man <laughs> and, and suck it up and run at that heart rate. And so I tell you, I started my first um, week of training was this week. I had met with you last weekend. 
and this is what day four and I have ran at least 45 minutes every day continuously um, you know at that heart rate and I feel good I am excited to run every day because I don't have that pain I don't have that um, that burning in my lungs which now that I know is you know burning the the lactate and all that other crap rather than being efficient, um, it's revolutionized my outlook on running. Maybe that's dramatic. I don't know. But I love it. Um, I'm excited to see to where that's going to take me um, in the future for sure. Well, th- it's early. It's really early. And it's great that you're having that revelation uh, and that you're finding that it's a little more comfortable than it, than it generally is. I'll tell you, when I've done work with uh, – your typical fitness person. I, I've done again. I, I've done this type of testing with all walks of life, but I would get the uh, the soccer moms that you know they spend their you know nine o'clock in the morning. The kids got dropped off at school. They go to the gym, get their fix, and you know I'd run into them. And you know these are uh, the baby boomers. These are the the women that you know they're trying to get their body back. They had boofed out a couple kids, and you know been playing mommy, and they just want to get back to some semblance of, of fitness. And I'd run into them, and I'd suggest to them, I said, look, I want you to get in 90 minutes worth of cardio. And their eyebrows would be up on their forehead, and they're like, what? (laughs) 90 minutes? Because they couldn't even perceive that that would be even potentially something they could accomplish. Absolutely. But because we slowed them down and we governed their heart rate, they were able to accomplish it. Now, if you try to, you know, it's not all about just going slow and easy. There's more to it than that, obviously. Right. But it is a critical component because most of the people that we run into, and you and the girls that showed up with you to be tested the other day, yeah. you know, collectively your thresholds were all pretty low because yeah. the nature of the way you approach your training is always high intensity, and right. you're getting what you're reaping what you sow. Your body is adapting to high-intensity efforts. And to some degree, that's of value because it improves your fitness, but it doesn't improve your ability to have staying power when the events get longer. You Absolutely. Really, you have to have that aerobic component played into your training. And this is pretty much what you guys were lacking. So what I think is going on right now is your experience is, is that you know perception for you is running equates to pain tomorrow, And then all of a sudden, it's like, you know, singing in the rain, it's easy, it's not a big deal, and you're getting more of it. So you're actually infusing more training into your life that you normally might not have, and you're creating a really cool outcome. You're starting to develop some stimulus that's going to really improve your aerobic potential. And then guess what? When you get ready to throw down, you're not going to burn up as quickly as you had in the past because you're going to start moving that anaerobic threshold. You're going to start improving your ability to support that work. Going back to the skill sets is really kind of what I want to talk about because I think this is another real uh, misconception in the industry. And when I say industry, I'm talking about running Mm -hmm. and wherever it might be. People historically equate speed and track workouts to going hard for some given length of time. So, for example, a speed workout might be I'm going to go run a 400 and then the prescription suggests or the coach suggests we're going to recover for 100 uh, meters or yards and then we're going to produce another 400. Or we're going to run a 400, then we're going to run an 800, then we're going to run a 1200. And so it's these ambiguous distances related to an ambiguous amount of recovery. Right. They're not taking into account the need for recovery and the unique need individually for recovery. So... If, for example, if I took you and the three girls that came in and tested with you the day I met with you, and I said, look, I, I want you all to run a 400, and you can't start again until your heart rate recovers to 120 beats per minute, where somebody's going to get a head start. Right. <laughs> right. Some, you know what I mean? Somebody's going to yep. get a head start because the recovery's better than yours. Right. And if you were to um, take off with them, there's a very good likelihood that you would burn up because you don't have the recovery they had. Right. So this is some of the things that, that people don't think about and the cost associated with the work rather than just, 
you know, assuming that, well, it's written, so it must be, I have to beat my head against the ground in order to accomplish this. Where what I have you guys doing is you're, you know, I'm assuming, have you had a chance to do a motor skill drill since I've, I've seen you? You know, I haven't done those. I have done hill sprints, though, which to me really drill in those proper motor skills, which are, you know, the proper form, getting up to that heart rate, and then recovering back down to the 120. So I've implemented the motor skills into a hill. Can't do it. Really? Glad we talked. <laughs> Super glad we talked. <laughs> you, Super glad. You can't do because what happens is the hill basically dictates form. When you're running uphill, you're forced to push. You're not going to overstride. You're not going to reach up the hill. That is true. Now, you could very easily adhere to a particular cadence, and you could really focus on the way your arm swing is going uh, and things like that. But at the end of the right. day, motor skills should really happen on a flat response course, meaning that there's no influence by the environment. You want to be able to run up to speed as effectively as you possibly can on a flat surface without violating form and then recover to 120 beats per minute or whatever we prescribed. And what will happen then is neurologically you're changing gears. You're teaching your body to find that speed and to, if you're doing the right things, focus on minimizing the type of errors that you might have created in the past when looking for speed. Got it. Right. Okay, so my, my definition of motor skill equals form in my head. So improper. Well no, <laughs> in but my you're, head. you're right. No, you're right, but you're wrong. You're right. You're right. <laughs> you're right about your interpretation. It is all about running mechanics and running with good form. It's exclusively about that. Perfect. The problem is is that when you do it on a hill, you're you're you can't uh, get to that full speed. Well, not only that, but it's 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 causing um, the hill is basically taking over your ability to create speed with form. Got it. You understand what I'm saying? You're, you're, I you're, do. You're, you're, being, you're being punished by the incline, essentially. Right, 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 right. So right. it becomes more of a strength element more so than, a, than a, uh, a neurological adaptation that occurs when you're running flat. I got it. It's a whole other story. But the, the key point that I'm trying to make at this moment is that when you start to find speed and you do it with impeccable form, with a very standardized cadence, everything changes. I, I wish you could have been at the track with us on Tuesday morning. I have a client that has been running with us, and I've been working with her and coaching her for I don't even know how long now. She's been with me for probably about uh, six years. Wow. And, you know, she lives in, in the area, so, you know, we get together. We basically train six days a week. She is, I want to say, 71 years old. Mm-hmm. And in, she's been at the track with me pretty consistently every Tuesday morning for the past I don't know how many years. And just a few weeks ago, it finally the bell the, the the light bulb went off in her head and she figured it out where before when she tried to go to speed she would encourage in, uh greater cadence she would get up to like 200 and some odd strides per minute trying to find speed momentarily and then because it becomes so uh inefficient cost-wise that she'd back off and then she would produce another one so she was actually reinforcing bad habit by teaching herself that speed means turn your legs over faster, opposed right. to increasing stride length at the same cadence. So going to 180 strides per minute and encouraging greater speed by pushing forward into your uh, cadence and flying, in essence, is what you're doing. You're flying forward. And every time your foot makes contact with the ground, it's setting down just beneath your center of mass. You're not reaching for ground ahead of your body and trying to pull it past you. Right. And it, it, honestly, I experienced that in your lab, and it felt as though I was floating, you know, just barely touching the ground, almost almost as if, you know, you're running over water and you're just touching the surface. And it felt good. You know what I mean? Like Yes, I do. And I and I, you know what? I purposely put you in that scenario because 
what you would have found troubling was getting up over about 10 miles per hour. The, you know, the red light starts going off and you start the alarms go off because this is getting to be a little quick for you. Right. And I had you up at about 11 and a half miles per hour where you started smiling and you right. started flying and floating and your friends are sitting there looking at you in awe. They're going, whoa, look at her go. Yeah, you know, how fast is she going? How <laughs> fast is she going? But you were, doing, you were doing it with the appropriate form and you were doing it held to that cadence. And yeah. so you, you drop into this, you know, it's like going into the eye of the hurricane. Everything just kind of settles down, you know, and then there you are. You're right where you need to be. And we recreated that same sensation with pretty much all the girls that day, you recall? Yes, I do. I do. In fact, we've talked about it since. And we're like, wow, that felt so good. That's nothing I've ever like felt like while running before. And it was amazing, the conversation and the experience that, you know, it really is that um, that light bulb or that moment where all the sidelines go quiet and it just feels like you're in the zone and it feels right. Right. You know? Your body and your mind have connected, <laughs> and you're flying. Well, and that's what we're after. Yep. Because if you look at almost all the – everybody's got one, right? The finisher pitcher or their first 10K or the half marathon or marathon, when they're running across the finish line and the, yes. they, they have that photo moment, and they look like um, they were pushed up against glass <laughs> or something. <laughs> their yes. face is all contorted. Their legs are so spewing true. so far <laughs> Arms are just kind of dangling and, you know, kitty wampus. Yeah, and it's like, you know, it's just, and that is kind of what happens when people are pressed. They get into that place where I've got to beat this guy. I've got 50 yards to go. All system falls apart, and they're just, they're gutting it out. They're just going, I'm going to gut it out. I'm going to pass this guy. I'm going to beat this guy no matter what it takes. And they fall apart. Yep. And, you know, going back to my analogy of martial arts, a martial artist does not make that kind of mistake, right? Yeah, they can't afford to. Well, they, they've been trained that all through their their ranking system as they approach um, this perfection, it's it's just a beautiful thing. To, I mean, again, I, I, I alluded to the, the fact that my brother is a, a, a high-level martial artist. I remember, do you know what a sigh is? Yes. You the do? Little, yeah, it looks like um, It's like Ninja Turtle, weapon. right? Yeah, the right. weapon. Yep. So yep. it's like the little small handheld pitchfork looks like. Right? Yep. It's got yep. three prongs, one long point. Exactly. Well, my brother used to study the sigh. And there's this move you do where the the handle is like at your index finger and the, the point is like down by your elbow. And yep. then you kind of flick your wrist and then the point's in the front and then you flick it back. It's like a switchblade. You open it, you close it, you open it, you close it. Yes. Okay, so he had like this little plastic ring that was a little bit bigger than the diameter of a quarter. And he had it hanging from a light in his bedroom. And he would, with a sigh in each hand, very methodically, very slowly, try to put the point of that sigh into that ring. And with time, he was able to do this with blazing speed and put that point inside that little ring without disturbing it as it hung in space like that. And it's just the nature of the precision that you teach yourself. And this is what I hope for in the clients that I work with, is to try to get them to a place where their fundamentals are so tight and their knowledge in respect to what they're trying to achieve with the way they're moving through space is so precise that they eliminate the potential for flaw. They don't make mistakes. And those motor skill drills that I have put on you and I've asked you to do, yes. not the ones on the hill. Nope, just the flat. <laughs> well, that's, that's for tonight. Right. So but I've been it, doing my long aerobic base. Those are money. When you get to a place where you are impervious to error when you're running at speed, even if it's just for a few seconds, Ultimately, what will occur is your sustainable speeds will improve dramatically. You'll be able to hold pace much faster and for a greater length of time than you ever had. And then when you start marrying the cost of work, getting back to the heart rate, when you start marrying what it takes you to achieve 
X speed? How many calories are you expending? Where is this energy coming from? And having that wealth of information to know precisely what you can or cannot get away with, you're now empowered. You are now the black belt runner, right? And that's what I hope for you. We want to make you a black belt runner. We want to get you to this place where your game is on. You might get beat here and there, but it won't be because you were like throwing your form out the window while you're trying to cross the finish line. Oh, well, that's it. And like once I make it to my 70s, you best believe I'm still going to be booking it because I'm not all about that injury life, you know? (laughs) So if I can prevent that... (laughs) It's worth the couple long, slow runs and doing these drills and making that kind of um, false sacrifice, if you will, thinking, you know, so many people think that running, you know, properly or running slowly or doing what, what it is we're talking about to build a base is a waste of time. What they don't know is that it's going to, yeah, waste away your time on the race course. Well, so, what ends up happening, and I mean, I, I'm not going to go into the full, long, physiological adaptations that occur when you when you expose yourself to this aerobic environment. But suffice to say, and as was written in my book, and I'm assuming you've had a chance to play with that a little bit. Oh, I have. There are essentially, as I suggested to you, three things that you can do. I try to narrow it down. I try to cut to the chase, make it really, really simple, because the reality of it is, is that the more complicated we get, the less likely people are to... Uh, requiesce to what you tell them to do. So we make it simple, but we want it to be efficient. So there's essentially only three things we're doing. We're either doing something to improve our aerobic potential. We're doing something to encourage improvements in our motor skills or mechanical aptitude. Or we're doing something to improve our ability to tolerate lactate. So what we do above anaerobic threshold, that's it. And I and I I posed this this uh, theory to some of what I believe are the greatest minds in exercise physiology, and I've yet to have somebody smack me down and say, "No, Richard, you're you're confused about this. This is wrong." And so the beauty of it is, is I try to develop a system that is it's it's a user friendly process where most people will get it. It's not so complicated that it's going to confuse them and have they're going to have trouble with it. And even if someone was to suggest that, well, there's this other little thing you could be doing that would be really, really important, or these other three little things you could be doing that would be really, really important. Hey, you know what? You weren't doing any of it. You know, if I get you to do three really critical elements in your training, opposed to the same old thing you do every day, you're way, way, way ahead of the game. Yeah. Never mind the the fact that if your if your motor skills do improve, you don't get hurt, as you suggested. Yeah. You want to run till you're sure. seventy. And this lady I spoke of, incidentally, is uh, signed up for the Big Sur Marathon. That is awesome. And this, by the way, this is her, this will be her third time. That's uh, amazing. Yeah, and Big Sur is a pretty hilly course. It's not. It's no joke. But and when she finishes the race, she could go dancing. You know, That's awesome. She's not beat down afterwards because yep. she's learned yep. how to run. She's learned how to run. She's learned, and I've never, ever, ever, ever in the years I've known her, had her complain to me about a knee problem, or had her complain to me that her hip was in such a way that she couldn't uh, couldn't run today. I can't run today because blah blah blah. Right. And I know seventy five percent of the people that I know that run have those days where they say, well, you know, my so-and-so is acting up, so I need to take a couple of days off, or i got to go see a PT, or i got to get a massage, or i got to tape, or i got to do something because something's gone wrong. Yeah, I know plenty of people, plenty of friends and fellow athletes that are on the sidelines right now due to, and they're not huge injuries, they're not like broken legs or anything, but they're those little nagging injuries like those shin splints, or my knee's giving me trouble, or even my hip. You know, even one of the girls that was with us this weekend getting tested, she's had that little dodgy hip that's been annoying her for the past few runs and, you know, fixed her form up and that pain was going away. So it's amazing what just some minor tweaks can do for those nagging uh, nagging injuries. But I got, you know, I have so many people asking me just in the gym alone, you know, what is it you're doing? How is it you're doing it? So I have a lot of people really curious. Um, are you planning on doing any... 
events, any clinics, any running things soon? Or Well, you know, it turns out I got a, uh, a message today from my friends up in Bakersfield. Yeah. And they asked me, so can we do a clinic? We, you know, they uh, visited a few clinics, and and so they want to do something like right away. They actually were talking about September fifth or sixth. We're talking about doing something, and uh, okay. what I really want to, I mean, you know, for them, they're going, yeah, let's go back to the high school track. We really enjoyed that. You know, that's the thing you did, right? Yeah. Yep. And I said, well, let, let's do something different. Let's go into the canyon and let's focus on some technical stuff. Let's try to get some trail running in and and yeah. then work on some technique and. And I've been talking to uh, Nicodemus Holland. I don't know if you know who that is. Doesn't ring a bell. Well, Nicodemus Holland is a pretty stud ultra marathoner, and he um, he podiumed at the Tour de Giants in Europe, which is one of the gnarliest ultra marathons on the planet. Uh, wow. ba- basically, 205 miles through four of the steepest mountain ranges, and uh, you know up to 12,000 feet of gain. To sea level, back up to twelve, fifteen thousand feet again to sea level, and you know I think it was like for him seventy-two straight hours of running. Wow! So Nick is actually he was on the cruise, by the way, and I tested him on the cruise, and he wanted to come come over and see me, and he wants me to help him with uh, some some running technique. But I thought Nick, I want to bring you out, and maybe you know you're an expert on running trails. I mean, I'm not an expert running trails. I, I mean, I can look at the way you're moving and tell you whether you're screwing it up or not, but there's a lot of things that you know about moving around on a trail that would be really, really cool to share with uh, some of our folks. And so we're we're toying with that idea. We're going to see if that can come together. That would be amazing. And we also talked about going down to Orange County, which was, uh, you know, Nadia and... Uh, uh, is it yeah. Nadia? Natalia. Natalia, Natalia Margarita. Yeah, no, it's okay. I said Nadia because there was somebody that sent me a message that wanted to come to a clinic that was friends with Natalia. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, I'm telling yeah. you, we've got we've yeah. got quite a few people here in the SoCal area that have been asking us and wanting to get wanting to get together and get some of this information because, you know, they're sick of the plateau. So, well, it's funny cuz you know, I've been doing this quite a long time and to be honest with you, I don't think it's rocket science. I think that the the approach is really logical. It's a function of physics. If you look at the way you're moving, if you're violating physics, you can't you can't get away with it for too long. Right. You know, if you're opposing inertia, if you're uh, at ends with uh, the ground and gravity, you're you're just you're setting yourself up. You're gonna you're gonna injure yourself sooner or later. It just becomes a matter of what you weigh and how strong you are relative to what you weigh, and a matter of whether you can stomach more than someone else. But at the end of the day, everybody breaks, and right. if if you challenge yourself this way, ultimately you're going to have a problem. So uh, I just look at it very pragmatically. I look at it very logically. And, you know, as you suggested, was it, who was it? Was it, uh, was it Natalia or was it Margarita that was complaining about the hip? Natalia. Yeah. So we look at her running on the treadmill and we got video to, to support what we're looking at. And sure enough, I mean, I, she was running for what, 10 seconds? I says, your left leg, right? Yep, yep, and she goes, yeah. It's like it was so apparent to me that what she was doing was causing grief on her left side. And as soon as we showed her what to do, things started to quiet down and things started to go away. And this is really kind of the mistake that a lot of people make too is they go to see a physical therapist, they go see the orthopedic surgeon, whomever. Mm -hmm. And, you know, these guys are great to see when you're in pain and you're injured, clearly. But... Once they've got you out of the doghouse, you really need to correct what caused the problem. Right. Otherwise, you're going to revisit. You're going to come back and see them again. Well, it's kind of that analogy about having um, a hole in your ceiling and there's you know water pouring in, and you could be in your house looking up at that and thinking, huh, there's a lot of water, and just you know like putting a bucket under it to catch the water, and you're constantly having to empty that bucket and replace it, empty and replace it, when really the symptom, which is you know emptying the bucket, is not the problem. It's the hole in the roof. Right. So many people waste their time emptying buckets instead of patching the roof. <laughs> there you go. I'm going to use that. I'm going to use that. Use it. I'm going to start it's screaming a- at people, you're emptying buckets. Yeah, you're emptying buckets right now. <laughs> it's true. It's true. 
Um, it's unfortunate because, as as you said, you spent twenty some years having this this information in your brain and wanting to share it and successfully sharing with those who will listen. But so many people, you see them playing the bucket brigade unnecessarily. You know what I mean? Like, right. It's something that you can see and be like, there's a hole in your roof, <laughs> and they continue to run around with a bucket. And uh, I'm sick of that. So I'm going to make some recommendations. Cool. Okay, number one, I highly recommend that anybody that's listening to this, if they don't already own one, they need to get a heart rate monitor. Mm-hmm. Now, And there are a buttload of monitors on the market today, and some of them better than others. And what I can tell you in all the years that I've been dealing with heart rate monitors is none of them are perfect. You're going to find a complaint with all of them. There's always going to be something about a monitor you'll purchase that you don't like. And so going back to the logical and realistic approach to it is, A, you want something that's going to be accurate. Well, guess what? Most of them are pretty darn accurate. The technology behind the way we gather this information, it's it's been around a long time. It's not like earth-shattering, with exception of the fact, you know, being able to gather heart rate from your wrist as opposed to your chest, which has been a big move in the heart rate industry. And I like Mio. Mio is actually one of my sponsors, and they create a heart rate monitor that does not require a chest strap. And I have been using uh, all of their products for two and a half years now. And I can't tell you the last time I put a chest strap on, and I I just haven't looked back. I'm very, very pleased not having to wear that chest strap. Uh, And... Most of them will have the ability to provide you with some ancillary data. For example, being able to connect to your phone through Bluetooth, in which case, if you don't have the information being gathered within the device, you can get cadence. Cadence, uh, that's generally something else. You might have to have a foot pot or something. But you can definitely gather speed, distance, and you could collect all this information about caloric expense and things like this. So that's pretty common fare. You can you can get that, and I think it's important. You want to get as much information as possible. I'm a big fan of being able to gather cadence data. Uh, Garmin does a great job. Um, then it just becomes a function of price point. How much are you going to spend to get the information? I could tell you that with a Mio, it's the cost is pretty pretty uh, easy. I think. All said and done, you pay retail for a Mio Alpha, you're going to pay 200 bucks. Um, you go out and buy a Garmin or something like this, you're going to probably spend another 100 bucks. And I think just for the money, it's a good good value. I would highly recommend that everybody, if they can, if they have access to being tested, that they go out, seek someone out that can do a clinical evaluation and provide them with their anaerobic threshold and provide them with a VO2 max test. If you can't do that, real simple equation, subtract your age from 180 and give yourself a aerobic zone. So if you're, for example, if you're 20 years old and you subtract 20 from 180, you've got your number, right? You're at 160 beats per minute. Don't exceed that when you're trying to be aerobic. Simple as that. Not an earth-shattering thing. Real. Now, mind you, it's not infallible. Because it's a it's a prediction, you know, you're, you're guessing. But getting a VO2 test is worth its weight in salt. Absolutely. And the other thing is to really invest in the way you move. Invest in the way you run. Get over yourself. Don't concern yourself with whether or not your buddy is going to beat you this week because you slowed down. If you correct the way you're moving and you correct the flaws in the way you're moving you're going to find very, very quickly that you're going to be catching your buddy soon, and eventually you're going to be passing him. And eventually you're going to be able to do more mileage per week than he could, and because the volume increases, your training improves, and everything about you is going to improve as an athlete. So invest in your running, invest in a monitor, invest in yourself, as Maggie has. Yeah, I'm telling you, you won't, you won't regret it. Uh, I got my heart rate monitor yesterday. Otherwise, I was doing what Richard suggested, which is just doing the basic calculation or, um, you know, like holding my fingers up to my carotid, up in my neck, counting my pulse that way. Worked. 
Um, but yeah, it's my body, it's my life, and uh, it's taking good care of me, so want to return the favor. When's your next race, Maggie? You know, I'll be defending my title at the Epic Series race in Orange County on the 12th. All right. Yep. How long is the race? Uh, Well, it's kind of a CrossFit strongman obstacle course hybrid, and it's two courses, one course. They say it ranges between uh, like 25, 35 minutes. Um, I was able to complete the last one in just over 20, and I want to go sub-20 this one. There you go. Yep, the goal. Are you going to Tahoe? I am going to Tahoe. World champs, baby. All right. Have you tried to wrap your head around doing World's Toughest Mudder? You know, I that is definitely on the horizon. I'm not foolish enough to take it on this year, just knowing that I'm not prepared for it. Um, but best you believe I'll be there. Probably well, maybe next year. That'd be nice. Next year could happen. Next year could happen. Because I don't want to just go in and do it like willy-nilly. You know, like no. I want to go in and get it done. You know? no, and I'm with you on that, by the way. Uh, and incidentally, I'm, I'm, since you brought that up, all of these people that are really, really invested in the OCR world, that are just throwing themselves at these events, uh, yeah. three at a time, give it a break, man. Invest yeah. in your training. Get ready for this stuff. Because if you really, really love the sport and you really, really love your participation in the sport, if you're injured, you can't play. You got to. You just can't play, and you don't want. I mean, you know what? It's like. Life is precious. If you really jack yourself up and you essentially eliminate your potential to be physically involved in sport, and that happens, you know, you see people mm-hmm. that they destroy their hips or they destroy their back or they, they you know, have surgery or blow out a knee and, they, and they're just basically out of it. And, yep. and then what? You know, so it's better to come back uh, and be strong another day than, you know, lay your lunch out on the table in, in a weekend, right? Yep, exactly, exactly. Well, and if anyone wants to, you know, follow the journey, like I said, I'm that guinea pig right now, so feel free to, you know, ask me questions. Obviously, ask Richard questions. He has all of the answers, but at least I could direct you uh, to the right sources. But, yeah, you know, follow along with me and and see if it's something for you. I know it is. How do they find you? You know, they can find me on Facebook. Um, You can just look up facebook.com slash Spartan Mag, like Maggie, but M-A-G. Otherwise, Instagram, again, Spartan Mag. And uh, I usually post pictures. I'll post articles, training videos. I, In fact, I posted a picture or a video of um, the test I did with you the other weekend. So it's it's been, it's been quite the journey, and I love talking to people. So just ask me anything. Very cool. Very cool. And so can you could I want you to tell on your girlfriends. Are they reading my book? Yeah, you know, actually, Christina, one of my best friends, she, she's she been reading it probably the most faithfully. I haven't checked in with the twins since, well, after we talked about how awesome we felt. I haven't talked with them about the book, but I'll, I'll talk to them this weekend. We have um, a machete madness going on in Fresno, so anyone down for Saturday will be in Fresno kicking people's butts with burpees. and Yeah. <laughs> well, Maggie, thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing your experience with our audience. Yeah, yeah, you know what? It's, it's the gauntlet's been thrown. <laughs> it's time. All right, yep. so I'll see yep. you on the podium. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it'll be a great pleasure meeting you there. Well, friends, it's time to bring another show to a close. Be sure and tune in to us next week. We've got a lot of great content in store for you. I want you to tell your friends to check us out. You can always find us on Facebook. Simply go search the Natural Running Network. Drop us a message. I'd love to learn more about you and the things you do. And until then, you have an amazing day.
With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.